Ed Robertson along with Phil Grace as we continue our tribute to Johnny Carson as part of the Sounds of Lost Television. Phil's segment, of course, is courtesy of our friends at Archival Television Audio, the only extensive television audio archive in existence on the Internet. For more information, go to atvaudio.com, atvaudio.com. Coming up next, folks, we have a couple of clips from September 1965 in which Johnny talks about an upcoming heavyweight fight between Muhammad Ali, then known as Cassius Clay, and Floyd Patterson. Yep. September 15th, 65. September 15th, 65. And that, and that was a monologue moment. A monologue moment that would come back to haunt him. <laughs> come back to haunt Johnny. Guess who signed to fight for the heavyweight championship today? Floyd Patterson and Cassius Clay. Whoopee. <laughs> Doesn't that thrill you? Here we go again. They haven't picked a site yet where they're going to hold it. I suggested the Fred Astaire dance studio. <laughs> so I think we're going to be taken again, folks. I don't know how to tell you this. I think we're... Okay, so Johnny makes fun of the fight. You're not, not impressed. So he goes on hosting the show next night, September 16th, 1965. Johnny finds out there's a surprise guest waiting in the wings. Uh, last night in your uh, opening monologue, do you remember you were making a couple of remarks about the upcoming fight that was announced yesterday? The championship you know, fight? The Patterson thing. Yeah. Well, right. there are a lot of folks, of course, that would agree with you, and you can imagine there are some people that might disagree with you. Uh, you don't know this, but a, a gentleman arrived just after we started the program tonight so that you would be surprised to not see him, and he would like to give you his version of, you know, what he thinks about the upcoming fight. He goes by two names. He's known as Muhammad Ali and Cassius Clay. He's here, right? television last night. And here comes the Johnny Carson show. I thought I'd watch a show. Yeah. Artemis and Ice Cream. So watch the show. Yeah. And you come talking about uh, such fight coming up, you know, between this uh, yeah. Yeah. Muhammad Ali and Sonny Liston. And uh, uh, Liston knocked out Patterson twice. And he knocked out Liston twice. Mm -hmm. So we can expect to see a good... What was the last word? I mean, well, tell I, me, uh, the last time I was on your show, well, you had on boxing gloves well, and some trunks. Well, looking I, like a little big chicken. Well, I, don't, I didn't watch the show last yeah, night. No, I, no. I wasn't here, actually. I was uh, with my sister. And you, 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 you tell me what did you mean by He didn't watch the show last night. He was at his sister's. That's a hoot. Well, it, first of all, two things. It shows how Johnny was always so quick on the spot with, with, right. with a one-liner when, when he absolutely needed it. But two, Johnny rarely gave the impression that he was flustered. Now, he may have, you know, I don't know whether he was prompted or, or, or whether he was totally blindsided for this, but it's like... I you think know. this was a surprise. Yeah, well, and that's what made it so great. Right, and 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 it was for the few times Johnny's a little speech, speechless. Of course, it's <laughs> it's very easy to become speechless when you have uh, when you have Cassius Clay, uh, Muhammad Ali. He was at his spring. peak. He absolutely. was absolutely, and he had a great sense of humor. Yeah, yeah, and, and still does. Yeah, but, you know. no, but it, it, again, it's just it's, it's sad to see him today. Just very, you know. it's, it's it is because uh, we all remember him so mm -hmm. vibrant. Uh, so loquacious uh, with his poetry, and uh, he predicted things which uh, he was 
able to carry out. Most of us can't. Right. He was a true character and a, and a, and and someone who was able to transcend you know sports into and into entertainment. I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, again, uh, talking about seeing different sides of Johnny. Now, uh, last week when we when we did our the first ever of our tribute, Phil, we we talked about how because you know, because Johnny was a very private person, he rarely talked about himself. Occasionally on the show, he would reveal parts of his background. You know, in in the course of an interview. On, on, on other rare occasions, he would actually break character. Uh, one such occasion occurred uh, on April 5th, 1968, uh, the day after Martin Luther King's assassination. And Johnny actually, ordinarily, he would begin the program with a monologue. He didn't do that that night. No, um, I, I believe uh, only on two occasions, and they were very, very... Um revered moments were uh, the Robert F. Kennedy assassination. Um, we don't have anything to play right now. Right. Uh, it is in the archive where uh, he totally goes away from the format and there was a round table discussion mm -hmm. with uh, journalists and others and they discussed the event and, um, and they really gave tribute to RFK. Uh, one would say, well, what about the JFK um, moments, but they were preempted. They were preempted right. before, during, and after. And as you recall, some of the old timers out there, like me, there was no programming for Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So by the time Tuesday, Wednesday came around, it was really days and days after the fact. But when Dr. King was assassinated, um, that night, the first bulletins, I believe, were on around 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. Tonight's show tapes, let's say, from 6.30 to 8, approximately. Right. New York time. Soon as they went off the air, the bulletins came on. So no one really knew until just moments after they taped that show. Mm -hmm. And NBC, for whatever the reason, did not interrupt as so often they would have in right. the past, or CBS or ABC, with a special. Right. Other networks did. Pre-empt, uh, pre um, I believe, um, yeah, Joey Bishop show yeah. was preempted, but The Tonight Show went on, and it went on as business as usual, very comedic, and everyone's having a frivolous time, blah, 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 and people took exception to it, and they said, what's going on? We just had this assassination, and, and, and there's no mention, mm -hmm. so there was there was some explaining to, do, to be done, and Carson really uh, felt very much in need of coming on the next night which he did, mm -hmm. and in his uh, monologue, uh, he explains to the public exactly what happened. And um, if anyone is interested in listening to that, uh, that will be forthcoming in a documentary that's going to be um, produced by Peter Jones Productions, Brian Tessier, and I have been in touch, and uh, that material is uh, with him, and uh, I believe the 50th anniversary show will be an American Masters, October 2012. And we'll look forward to that. But uh, in, in in the meantime, in instances such as that, you know, Johnny shows that he's, yes, he knows that he's an entertainer. His job is to make us laugh and to help us forget, you know, the worries of the day before we lay our heads to rest. But um, at, at the same time, he's also, he also showed that he was aware. He, he had, you know, one of the things that made him so great, Phil, is that he had his pulse on what was going on and he was able to comment on it. Usually in the course of the monologue, but in the, but in in as he did on the night of 
April 5th, 1968. He broke character and basically said, look, I may be a comedian, but, you know, I I do have a sense of responsibility and I know what happened. I know this is a big story. And if the circumstances were different, um, we would have preempted or we would we have addressed it in the course of the program. We, you know, we weren't able to do that, but we're going to do that tonight. Right. And, and he very, very uh, solemnly expresses condolences to uh, Coretta King, yeah. his, uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's wife. Um, and, and then he went on with the show. Yeah. But he, but he had to, he felt obligated and rightfully so to make the explanation because another individual might have, might have been embarrassed by it and might have skirted the issue and not even said a word. Carson felt obligated. Well, and he, well he not only felt o- obligated, but he was comfortable in his own skin. He knew who yes. he was. Good and, point, good point. He was able to do it because he felt that uh, it was something that uh, not only was important to do, but he certainly had the expertise and the background, the, t- the, the ability to, to make something um, sensible to what the audience could identify with. And it, 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 what it did is it also satisfied a lot of those people who objected to what happened the night before. Yeah. Because now there was more of an awareness of why that show went on. If Walter Cronkite was the most trusted man in America, I would say Johnny, Johnny Carson was a close second. Uh, because, as you say, he not only had the ability to, you know, um, know what you know, trust know know what the public wanted, and 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 be and, and trust what the public wanted. But uh, uh, he also had an ability to laugh at himself. We heard a little bit about we heard a little bit of that uh, in in the in the segment we played with uh, Muhammad Ali. We're, we're going to hear another uh, example of that in this uh, this final clip that you brought for us tonight. And this is a clip from now. now this was not part of the. Johnny Carson Tonight Show. This this aired on a different program, but this was Alan right. Alan King hosting a roast of Johnny Carson. This this was the beginning of uh, roasts as we tend to remember them, where for an hour uh, a celebrity or politician or sports figure was the butt of um, good humored roasting by guests. And the Kraft Music Hall, they initiated it in the modern era. There was a few in the 50s, one with Ed Sullivan, one with Milton Berle going to 54. But um, the modern era, October 23rd, 1968, and Johnny Carson was the brut, uh, the brut, the brut of uh, a number of celebrities being roasted. Johnny Carson, and again I quote, Johnny Carson was born in Corning, Iowa. There's a message there somewhere. <laughs> and uh, with all the aspirations and ambition of a young man, he wanted to move to the big city. So at the age of eight, his family moved to Norfolk, Nebraska. <laughs> I've been there. The cab drivers asked the passengers where to find a girl. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> From his earliest days, Johnny Carson was destined for show business. At the age of 12, he began his career as the great Carson, gypsy magician and ventriloquist. He built his own dummy, which he affectionately called Ed. <laughs> what are you looking at me, McMahon? It's written there in the release. I don't Next, we find Johnny in Lincoln, Nebraska. Couldn't stay away from the big city. <laughs> well, he made it. Oh, this is a beauty. Where he made a name for himself on station KFAB as part of a cowboy I called the Radio Rangers. You'll remember them, folks. <laughs> he later made a bigger name for himself conducting the Children's Hour. 
He was picked up on a 414. <laughs> Having 24 hours to get out of town, we find Johnny in Los Angeles, the star of a game show called Earn Your Vacation, which he did. He wasn't on television for five years after that. With his last $183, he stole a car and drove to New York. By the time he got to Phoenix, she was rising. And she found a note hanging on that door. It was your landlady. You beat her for the rent, you bum. But uh, we wanted to honor Johnny tonight before he disappears from television completely. But what a tribute, Johnny, to see these giants of show business on the dais. This is truly praise unto Caesar. They haven't come to honor you, but to bury you. You know, I, I like the way Alan King uh, said, uh, before you disappear completely, and what happened after uh, his last broadcast, uh, May 22nd, I believe, 1992, he did disappear completely. Except for one, he made one appearance on David Letterman's right. show. Right, and um, he also disappeared from any press yeah. until 10 years later, when Bill Zemi got the exclusive and did a... Big interview with him for Esquire magazine, mm -hmm. and that's the same Bill Zemi who, for the past six years, has been writing the definitive biography on Johnny Carson, Carson, uh, Carson the Magnificent, and that will also be uh, published uh, by Simon & Schuster uh, in October of 2012, and um, I personally can't wait to read that book because he's been doing a bang-up, unbelievable amount of research Lots of interviews. He's, I mean, in fact, one of the most difficult people to actually get to sit down before he died was Ed McMahon. Mm -hmm. He got him just before he passed away. We can easily spend an hour, you know, just talking about Johnny Carson. I, I would imagine, you know, we, we we may do another program or two before uh, the publication of Bill's book. One one, one final thought before uh, we, before we wrap up uh, our segment tonight. Phil, you were mentioning, okay, This the, the clip we just heard was uh, from uh, Alan King uh, presiding October over... October 23rd, 1968, and Alan King uh, was the kind of master of ceremonies mm -hmm. for this roast uh, presented on the Craft Music Hall. Okay, now this is about six years before... Uh, a lot of us, when we think of primetime roast, you know, this is before the Comedy Central era, you know, for yes. most of us, you know, a primetime roast are synonymous with Dean Martin, but uh, Dean wasn't the first to do that. No, uh, and most of us would probably say Dean Martin was the one who did uh, those first roasts. Right. There was a, a, a broadcast series syndicated in 1969 through 70, hosted by and produced by George Jessel, mm -hmm. and he had, um, I think, 27 shows. They were one-hour roasts with the most unlikely people. Uh, Willie Mays was roasted. Very rare. Sid Caesar, never roasted in any other fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, Bing Crosby, very rare. So for what it was worth, even though it was in a little different format, you had some icon individuals who um, got to have fun made out of them, at them. And um, I think uh, if I look back in terms of television roasts, George Jessel, Craft Music Hall, uh, and certainly the Dean Martin show, and 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 those were fabulous. Do you have, do you have a favorite Johnny Carson moment or favorite Johnny Carson guest? Well, I'll tell you, out of everything that I've listened to, stuff in the archive, we listen to it today. 
and and I have to and I have to give thanks to Don Charles because I got that from him. And that was when Muhammad Ali comes back to surprise Carson after that <laughs> wonderful monologue where he talks about the Fred Astaire Studios. I mean, it was it was great. That that was ter- there is another uh, as a matter of fact, and it has to do with pugilism. Um, I think this is one of. I've never released this. No one knows about it except right now. Yeah. There is a wonderful. I have, I think, seventy minutes of uh, after um, Sonny Liston lost to um, at that time uh, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, Rocky Marciano was on the Tonight Show, oh, wow. and he goes into detail his uh, point of view uh, with regard to. Uh, both fighters. That that was very special. Well, that was very special. Uh, Johnny Carson was very special, and you are very special, Phil Grice. Phil Grice is the founder and owner of Archival Television Audio. Archival Television Audio, the largest TV soundtrack audio in the world, featuring more than 15,000 hours worth of audio from more than 12,000 original television programs from the 50s, 60s, and 70s. For more information, ATVAudio.com. Dot com. Phil, it's been fun the last couple of weeks at doing this in person. Hope uh, hope you'll be coming out to the West Coast uh, again one of these days. You know, I really enjoy being here in person. I would love to. And uh, let me just uh, congratulate you for a fabulous job that you have been doing to uh, keep television alive uh, on the radio. Well, thank you very much, Phil. <laughs> you, threw me, <laughs> you threw me there. <laughs> this portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Grasshopper, the virtual phone system designed for entrepreneurs. Go to trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential, trygrasshopper.com forward slash TV Confidential, and save $50 on your order. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.